This is wintertime. Beautiful, isn't it? Many people think that winter is the most beautiful time of year. Some say it looks like a fairyland. And what terrific fun you can have in winter. Skiing and tobogganing, making a snowman, making angels. Did you ever catch snowflakes on your tongue? Snow. Long, long ago, the world didn't have any snow. No snow. Oh, boy. Oh, that would People were very unhappy in the wintertime. There was no such thing as skimming fast down a hill on a toboggan. Nobody knew what a snowman was. No one had ever seen a snowball. You'd look stupid if you tried to catch a snowflake on your tongue. No one had ever heard of snowflakes. Winter was a time of wind, darkness, and cold. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the uh, Dan Aykroyd Podcast. I am your host, Scott White, and I am joined once again uh, by my good friend. Introduce yourself. I'm Meredith Nudo. Hi. Are we talking about Ghostbusters today? We're not. We're talking about a cartoon that looks like it was written by ghosts. Okay, well, at least there's that. But when are we doing Ghostbusters again? Uh, We're going to do Ghostbusters. We're going to do it soon. Yay! I wanted to put out a Christmas podcast, and we are doing the TV movie, The Gift of Winter, starring the voices of Dan Aykroyd, Gilda Radner, Valerie Bromsfield, and, and Jerry Salzberg. And it was really cute and really fun. And apparently I had seen it, when I was a child. Uh, but all I remembered was the peanut butter sandwich. This was made in Toronto. That's in Canada. This was, it, that's in Canada. It's only 25 minutes, so it was a half hour, I'm guessing, you know, TV Christmas special. Where did you, do you remember where you saw it? You said you watched this with your mother when you were younger. Uh, no, where, I, I just know that that I watched it probably on TV and all I remember is the Penapara Sangwatch. That's all I remembered. Um, that's it. I, I don't remember anything else. It, not, it was weird. Nothing else jogged my memory, but then I heard Penapara Sangwatch. I was like, Oh, that's what that's from. So you had the saying in your life, but you didn't know where it came from. Yeah, but I do, I do know that I probably saw this. Because when my when my mom like when my mom and I quoted it back and forth, I knew what it came from. It's just that somehow it. Well, this is called the Gift of Winter, and it's a story about these this town that wants to get rid of winter, basically. Well, I thought they hate the winter. To, I thought it wanted to get rid of specifically like a dreary winter. Well, not from what I saw. There's that one scene where he's chanting, no more winter, always summer. Oh, gotcha. I I guess I thought that they wanted um, like a snowy white winter. But I guess that was the trade-off. I I guess maybe it was either hard to follow or I was tired when I watched it or I was hung up on the peanut butter sangwatch. Which is so funny. I loved it. It was really cute. It is. It's an adorable little tale where this town is going to winter 
And Winter is is a corporation. That we're yeah. going to go talk to Winter. And Winter's a corporation that brings Winter every year, and they want it stopped or changed or changed, improved. Uh, excuse me. Uh, now, it's all very well to complain about how depressing winter is, but talk will get us nowhere. What we need is action. We must organize, get together, rally our energies to overcome the problems that uh, life presents. In other words, what are we going to do about it? Uh, allow me to introduce myself. My name is Goodley. And there's only four voices, four voice actors. The main characters are a good couple, goodly and nicely, a bad couple, malicious and rotten, two children called small and tender, and then the wild card, Bazooey. And Dan Aykroyd and Gilda Radner both voice goodly and nicely and malicious and rotten. And it's really, cause so, so sometimes you get them talking to each other. There's a scene where where Goodly and Malicious, both voiced by Gilda Radner, are talking to each other. I thought they did a good enough job of disguising their voices where it didn't sound like the same person talking to each other. Yeah, no, that was it was very well done. It was just a good, fun, cute story. So nicely... He's, we're going to get these people together. We're going to march up. We're going to talk to Winter. We're going to make some changes. And they head off and they leave small and tender behind because they feel They're there's no good place for children. They're yeah. too small. And they didn't want them to be in danger. They didn't want them to be in danger. And Malicious and Rotten just didn't want them to go because they were children. And they it's all hard to get a back by, by Christmas. Christmas, yes. It's hard to get a read on Malicious and Rotten. So Nicely is like, we're going to go up and we're going to talk to uh, Winter. And then Rotten and Malicious are like, let's take Dynamite and blow him up. Well, I fail to see what's so inconsistent about that because they did, in fact, take Dynamite and try to blow him up. But the Dynamite got... Well, that, well that's not the consistent... Uh, they get inconsistent later in the film. But yeah, they take Dynamite and it's like, let's... Let's just let's just blow up winter. Well, and they, let's, uh, yeah. they did make an honest effort to blow up winter. It just got thwarted because winter snowed on the dynamite and the water put it out. But we'll get to that. We'll talk to that about that when we get there. They head up to to talk to winter and naturally small and tender follow without their knowledge. Uh, this. Little film, it is cute, but it's also very predictable. It's It has all of its tropes where we're going to leave the kids behind and the kids are going to tag along even though we don't tell them, even though we tell them not to tag along. But I mean, tropes aren't inherently bad. It's all in how you use them. That's how I see it. I mean, a lot of them are used in this Christmas. But it is, I guess when you have a Christmas story, you want to have Christmas tropes in it. Yeah, um, I mean, like I said, I don't think tropes are an inherently bad thing. It's all in how they're used. Plus, I think visually it was a very interesting and inventive work. There were some really nice creative flourishes. Like, I really enjoyed that all of the sound effects were the actors. 
I was ex- I was just going to say that. I, I was that, just going to yeah, say that. I thought that was a really interesting and innovative approach. Um, I loved the step, 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 trudge, trudge, trudge. The 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 doors going swoop shut. Things like that. I loved that. I thought that was a really um, fun and really surrealist touch. So. You know, and and as far as I know, I don't think I've ever seen any other animation do that. So, points to them for some creativity. Yes, at the the animation also is very minimal, but yeah. it's very effective. Also, the animation is very well done in terms of uh, like matching the lip flap as well, getting the voices to match the. The, the mouths were very well animated, too. Everyone looked kind of like a, a, a Kathy character. But... Oh, you know, I just... Filter. I never thought of that. Yeah, you're yeah. right. They all look like was, a Kathy uh, character through an acid filter. But I liked that. Especially Malicious. She yeah. had the, the black hair. She had the ack mouth, too. Yeah. But I liked that. It's a, It was a neat stylistic choice. I don't know if it was on purpose or not, because I don't know when the Kathy cartoon first came out. Um, Ooh, I don't, I don't either. I would, I mean, this was made in Canada. Kathy was an American strip. I, yeah, I let's see. doubt that they. Kathy started in 1976, and the Gift of Winter is from was 74. 74. Okay, so it predated because of the time period. They were probably very inspired by the same artists. Yes, and this is uh, obscure enough where I don't think it would have been. I'm not saying that the artist of Kathy, Kathy Guys uh, White, she Kathy. she could have seen this, but this is obscure enough where I think she probably had not seen this. Yeah, but even if she had, it's still pretty neat that there's those connections artistically. The children, uh, small and tender, they fall behind and they get lost in the woods. Now, here's something I noticed, and I don't know if you noticed, and let me ask you. They get lost in the woods, and the trees start talking to them. hmm And there's these two male trees who are talking in uh, fey, effeminate voices. And I, I took that as, I think they are, I think they are a gay couple. In this cartoon. That's that's the way I saw it. Gory Tinder, I think we should not have taken this shortcut through the woods. But now, we have to catch up somehow. We haven't seen anybody. Maybe we better go home. Small, I think we're lost. Help! I'll take care of you. What on earth is going on here? Tinder, your voice sounds funny, but I didn't say anything. Well, who is this out here in the woods at this time of night? I'm small, and I'm tender, and And we're lost. Spruce, Spruce, Mm. wake up, Spruce. Come on, Spruce, wake up. We've got a couple of lost kids here. Oh, oh, oh that's nice, Mabel, that's nice. Oh, oh come on, Spruce. Shut up. 
Bruce, you wake up right now. I'm talking to you. This is important. We have an emergency here, for goodness sakes, and all you can do is sleep through the whole thing. <laughs> okay, okay, listen a minute, eh? We've got two lost little kids here. What? I don't know if that's something you saw. They are, from what I was reading, because there is actually a Gift of Winter website. Um, and it does have their other cartoon that, that the production team worked on, the gift of that's the gift of And it's been really interesting. Like I looked at a lot of the production art, uh, but the trees are actually supposed to be brothers. Brothers, okay. Yeah, yeah. Spruce and well, Maple are brothers, actually. I did not take. I took them as a couple. That's the way I read it. But uh, so the kids are lost, and the trees are like, well, just. Hang out here with us. We'll help you catch up to the rest of the troop tomorrow. And so the kids wake up. Dan Aykroyd, as the tree goes, just follow the trees. We'll help you. And then all the trees are going, follow us, follow us. And it, it sort of turned into a, a horror movie for me at that point. <laughs> yeah. Follow us, follow us. It was creepy, but it was still really, it was still fun. I, I also love that they, uh, you know, I also love that they were creepy, but helpful. And they get the kids out. So all the people who left with uh, our main characters, they've all fallen away. And once again, maybe I'm reading too much into it. It was like, these people, we are going to make a stand until it becomes slightly difficult and I'm inconvenienced. So you know what? I'm going to turn back because even though I'm mad, I don't want to exert too much energy to get this thing done. I mean, I don't know if that was necessarily a commentary because that's, that's also a thing that happens. It could be either one. Yeah. I thought it was a commentary on like, well, people want change, but they don't want to work at it. They want it to happen or they want somebody else to happen. We'll be in it at the beginning, but the minute it gets a little bit inconvenient, you know what? I'm out of here. Yeah, but I honestly don't know it, uh, if it was meant to be a commentary or if it's just a, a, a normal flow of what tends to happen. When it comes to social issues, a lot of people drop out because they're like, I'm an ally until it inconveniences me or puts me out or makes me think about anything. If I have to change myself and change my thinking, I don't want to help. <laughs> At the same time, though, they are walking through extremely punishing weather conditions. Which is part of, you know, it, it, that's that's a little less than an inconvenience. and a, So that can be life-threatening. So yeah, but they case, knew that before they left. Because the they knew that before they left because the main reason they are hiking through this is because they hate this weather. So they knew they are hiking through the stuff that they are trying to get rid of and the stuff that they are trying to get rid of has turned them back so now they can't get rid of the stuff that they want to get rid of because the stuff that they want to get rid of has stopped them, if that makes any sense. It does. <laughs> and the small and tender join up with the kids... Oh, and, but before this happens, they, they, they the, the, the adults, they join the adults. But before that happens, uh, Rotten, who is played by Dan Aykroyd, starts complaining and Malicious just calls him out. It's like, what do you want? What do you want? A little dolly for Christmas? She calls him out for being weak. It's like, come on, toughen up. And it's odd because... The woman is tougher than the man in this situation, yet she's using, but she's calling the man a woman to insult him. 
So that was an odd juxtaposition for me. It's like, you're clearly the stronger one here. Well, I mean, you're telling him to go on. Internalized. But you're comparing him to a woman. Internalized misogyny is a thing. Well, that's what it was, because you are clearly Gilda Radner's character, and it happens again one more time later. Gilda Radner's character is clearly stronger than the Dan Aykroyd character. It's like, just buck up. Come on, we got stuff to do. Yeah, no, what I'm saying is it could just using the are you a girl? Are you a woman? That's internalized misogyny is a thing. That's and the ki- so the kids do join the adults. Yeah. And Dan Aykroyd has just been chastised by Gilda Radner for not being tough. But when the kids show up, then he gets tough with the kids. He's like, you know what? They found their way here by themselves. Let them find their way back home upstairs. By themselves. To me, that's what... And I'm probably reading way too much into this little Christmas movie. But that's typical bully style. Where the bully gets bullied by somebody tougher than him. Then the bully bullies somebody who is not as tough as him. So he's getting bullied... Not bullied, but he's getting called out by Gilda Radner. So he has to improve his masculinity by chewing out these two little children. And telling them to get lost. I mean, that's the thing. It... You're not reading too much into it because it's all textual. There's not a. This is not a. This is not really a movie with subtext, and that's okay. It's meant for, you know, children. And so, no, I, I don't think that you are reading too much into it because it's right there on the surface level. This might be one of those the main stories for kids, but they slip in stuff for the adults, where the adults catch on and knows what's going on. I didn't really, Not that I consider myself an adult. I didn't really feel like there was anything slipped in for the adults to latch on to. Like, like I said, this, I can understand adults enjoying it for what it is because I'm an adult and I, I still think it's really cute. I, I, like I said, I was particularly taken with the, the onomatopoeia interpretation of sound effects. I thought that was very creative and clever. Um, but it doesn't necessarily, something doesn't have to be deep to be good, and it doesn't have to be deep to enjoy, be enjoyable. I think that what we're seeing is just, just surface level characterization, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It's, it's very, it's, you know, the target audience is very small children who aren't going to be able to write a complete graduate thesis on it. Well, this is definitely for the kids. Yeah. And it's not, because this was 1974, so this was a year before Saturday Night Live. So at that point, Dan Aykroyd and Gilda Radner were still unknowns. Yeah. So they weren't cash. They weren't cashing in on their names at this point. They were just using them because they were the best talent at the time in Toronto. So small and uh, so actually, but Bazooie, who we haven't talked about, Bazooie is this odd character who's like a clown. He just he talks like this. He jumps up and down, and he's there for, I guess, comic relief. Yeah. Kids, but he's kids he, apparently yeah. love that type of character. Well, you need something because yeah. you have the you have the two set of couples, the good couple and the bad couple. You need something to, I guess, bridge them or keep the child's attention. And that's Bazooey. And Bazooey promises to take care of the kids while they make their final trek up to see Winter. And they they make it to Winter's domain. And they go to, and they go in, and this is what, and this happens again. Dan Aykroyd is like, I need to go in there by myself. This is something a man has to do. And Gilda Radner just rolls her eyes and goes, whatever, or, or oh, please, or stop it. 
it's just nice to see the women in this cartoon putting the men in their place. It's like, we came here together. We're going to do this together. You're no better than I am. I'm no better than you are. Let's well, just I mean, remember this if, was about halfway or so through women's live. That was definitely a yeah. topic at the time. So yeah. And, uh, it makes sense. It's very much of its time. But I do like that the men are not... Pl- what bothers me more than anything is when men are played as stupid and the women have to step in and just like, okay, I'll fix everything because men are dumb. To me, that just diminishes the women. It's like, well, the women can't be as good as men unless the man is really stupid. No, I know. So that just I mean, diminishes... You're not saying anything that hasn't been said a million other times before, especially by women. Um, and a lot of it, it does is like, you know, stop celebrating us as babysitters. We're not damn babysitters. You know. So, so these are men... Who don't need these babysitters. These are strong... It, yeah, these are strong, intelligent men who just have maybe the wrong opinion. And they're like, no, just... you're. We're not doing it that way. We're going to do it... We're going to do it the right way. We're all going to do this. And then they try to dynamite and, winter. And then they try to dynamite. Well, not yet. So they get into, they get into the, like I said, this is treated as a business. Winter is treated as a business. So they walk in and they have a security guard. And this is sort of unintentionally of our time. The security guard is not drawn as a man or a woman. So Dan Aykroyd is, excuse me, sir, or miss. It's a sort of weird how it's our time, how people want to be identified as what they want and not what society has dictated them to be identified as. Yeah, it's a little ahead of its time right there. Yes. It's a depiction of androgyny, although it was definitely, um, what's the word? Sir or ma'am, that's still a binary. But, I mean, the the acknowledgement of... of, uh, Androgyny, that's that's good. Good for you. That's it's a step in the right direction. I applaud that. Uh, even though it was, I think it was done as a joke, but the joke the joke was ahead of its time. <laughs> yeah, like these days, it's not a joke anymore. It's polite. No, it's not a joke anymore. It's, it's, it's polite. being polite. Yeah, it's called the polite thing to do. Like there was a joke in like one of my favorite movies of all time is um, Clifford with Martin Short and and Charles Grodin. And there is a scene. Oh, in, there's a scene in there. That's one of your. Fa- that's one of your favorite movies. I love that movie. It's hilarious. It's a dark comedy classic. It's something. But anyway, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Yeah. So anyway, there's a scene where Miss Sarah Davis is yelling and says, "Like I can recognize a phony." And then, like two, um, two drag queens walk by and say, "Excuse me, ma'am. Have you seen a?" a little Scotty dog around here. And she goes, no, no ma'am, I haven't. And walks off. And I know that the joke is supposed to be that she didn't recognize that they were men, but like these days that's polite. If you see a drag queen, you call her ma'am. That's, that's polite. So like in my, in my mind, I'm, I'm seeing that joke these days and I'm like, Oh, that's very polite. That's not a joke. So I like that. Um, it doesn't age well as a joke, but it does age well into, oh, this is how you this is how you should treat people. And the security guard treats them to since this is a business, they have to go see somebody. This is very 
another trope, another business trope. Well, we you have to go here, and then you have to go here. You can never go right to the main guy. You've always got to jump through hoops fairness, and red tape. I don't think that's a. Tr- I don't think that's a storytelling trope. I think that's just real life. Well, it is real life, but it's all. I guess it's real life and a trope at the same time, in my opinion. Oh well, I mean, in my life experience, everything. Any kind of business dealing is just paperwork after paperwork after paperwork after paperwork. Like, God, right now I'm, I'm, you know, when my, uh, my bathroom flooded a couple, like a month ago and I, I, a little over a month ago and trying to figure out whose insurance is responsible is the reason why I still don't have a fix in my bathroom. So, well, our security guard sends them to the, CEO of cold or something like that. She tells them how to get to the CEO of cold. And then they do a a little Scooby-Doo thing where they run from room to room. The directions are very convoluted. May I help you? Uh, we are here to see winter. Do you have an appointment? Uh, no, we don't, uh, sir. Uh, miss. Well, you can't uh... come in without an appointment. Oh, please. We didn't know we had to have an appointment. I'm sorry, you must have an appointment. That's regulations. Well, we would like to make an appointment then, to see Winter. To see Winter? Well, you can't do that. Winter doesn't see people. If Winter doesn't see people, then what good would it do to have an appointment? Eh? Yeah, well, you'll have to speak to the Secretary of Cold and fill out your application forms. Now... Go straight down the tunnel and turn to the right. Cross over to the stairs and then up one flight. Keep on going past the file department door and take the elevator to the 15th floor. Go right, then left, then straight down the hall. You'll see the secretary's sign uh, hanging on the wall. Get that? So they get lost and they're doing this. They run from side to side, in one door, out one door, in an elevator, out an elevator. And they get to the CEO of Cold. This, to me, was, I was really, pardon the pun, cool, is they're treating winter as a business. And she's reading off of the sheet. She goes, okay, yeah, we're going to have a surprise cold front come through in April. She's reading off all what's going to happen within the next couple of months with winter. Okay, yes, tonight we're going to go down below 30. And then we're going to surprise them in April with a a surprise snowstorm, a surprise ice storm. I thought that was really funny. I thought that was really funny as well. And then our group are like, we want to see winter. And she says... Nobody sees winter, and our group goes, You were we were told here to come here and fill out paperwork. And when they mention paperwork, she just lights up. Oh yeah, that was she's like that was so fun. I loved the little glass. Paperwork! Too. Yeah, yeah. They oh, yeah, they had on the, the she was wearing the nineteen fifties glasses. Yeah, and it secretarial was, glasses. And I, I loved the little detail later when Bazooey has to to, uh, pretend to be her to talk to headquarters, even though it's just a voice. He still wanted to go grab her glasses so he could uh, impersonate her better. I thought that was a cute little detail about his character. Uh, from what I was reading on the website uh, for the production company, he is a college student who makes his money uh, kind of doing odd jobs. One of them, small and tenders babysitter, but he is also an actor. So he's an actor in the community. Yeah. And kind of does odd a jobs, lot. and he's broke a lot because he's in college. He's a fun... He, and because he's an actor. Yeah, that too. But yeah, that so that, that was a fun little detail, uh, and I, I liked learning more about the characters through that. They're, they're in another... There is another 
short that they are in that I have not watched yet. It's a it's a Halloween theme, and the the character designs are a little oh, Witch's Night Out is what the other one's called. In Witch's Night Out, the character designs are a little different. Um, like they're still color coded, but like malicious, ha- like malicious his hair is a little more. Uh, there's more volume to it, and she's not like square. She she has like giant green tits and almost no waist whatsoever. <laughs> um, Rotten has like his nose is a little more turned up, uh, and his hair is more square. There's um, it's interesting. Like it's the same characters, their designs are just different. Small is just a like a circle head. Now he doesn't uh, he doesn't wear a hat. Tinder's hair is more defined, uh, and it's the same color as her face. It's it's different, uh, but I'm really curious to watch it. It looks like Bazui can also do a little bit of shape shifting, which might not really literally be shape shifting. It might just be like a visual shorthand for getting into character as an actor or something. It's fun. It looks fun, and I I'm, I I do want to watch it eventually. Uh, I'll check it out myself too. That sounds pretty. Yeah. That came out they, in 1978. Is it, is it still Dan and Gilda doing the voices? No, no. Let me oh. let me look for this. Uh, but I think the other two actors are are in it though. Um, let's see. Same production studio. Same characters. Let's see. Oh no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, Gilda Radner is in it. And so is Catherine O'Hara, whom I love. That's a good cast. Too bad Dan's not in it, or else we could have reviewed it for next Halloween. Yeah, no, it's it's uh it's actually a direct sequel. So Fiona Reed takes over as nicely, Catherine O'Hara uh, takes over as malicious, and then Gilda Radner plays the witch from Witch's Night Out. So Gilda Radner is still in it, she's just not voicing nicely or malicious. Well, if you want to check out that after you watch Voice of Winter, uh, after you watch Gift of Winter, go watch uh, Witch's Night Out. Yeah, I, I I want to watch it. I just didn't have a chance to uh, after because I've it's been Thanksgiving, so focusing. We're on- recording this the day after Thanksgiving. We left off where they fill out all the paperwork. Then the CEO of Weather or the CEO of Cold she leaves the room, and then Bazuzi presses a button. And then we hear Winter, like, who, who's disturbing me? And as you said earlier, Bazusi puts on the secretary's glasses and says, we have people here to see you. And Winter's like, I don't see anybody. Oh, no, no, he doesn't say that. He said they're here to register a complaint about Winter. Winter. Yeah. And he gets upset. He's like, well, send him in. He's like, he's going to send him in, those so-and-so. I'll show him who's boss. And at this point, so goodly and nicely and malicious and rotten go in to see Winter. And they get separated. This huge door slams behind them. And they get separated from uh, Bazuzzi and Small and Tender. So Bazuzzi and Small and Tender have to try to sneak in to see Winter through another way. And once goodly and nicely and malicious and rotten get into the room... Malicious and Rotten sneak off to plant the dynamite while Goodly and Nicely go to talk to Winter. Yeah. Nicely and Goodly are talking to Winter, and Winter is this big, hulking behemoth. Yeah, I love the design for Winter. Standing behind this huge monolith or this huge podium. Yeah, so, it's, a, it's, a, <coughs> it's a desk, almost like a judge's desk in a courtroom. Yes. 
that looks very courtroomy. He's extremely, you know, most judges are, be- are above everybody. He's really above everybody. So he is looking down on them literally and figuratively. He's looking down on them in both ways. It's like, who are these people to question me? Yeah. And he's so high above them that he's looking down on them. It's a great visual, too. I love the design for Winter as this big, craggy slab of ice. It's a neat design. It's very simplistic, and while, too. And I liked the simplicity of it. Well, the whole cartoon, like you said, is very it's very simplistic and creative at the same time. No, like, this yeah, shows exactly. This... It, it can be both. It's, it's possible to be both simple and very well done, and this is a great example of it. Uh, but the very straightforward design of Winter, I loved that. He... He's still intimidating, and I can still see why people would be scared of him or afraid to to try and work with him and, and speak with him. So good, great design, great work. And while this is happening, so goodly and nicely are talking to Winter, and while this is happening, you see this little crevice or this little hole. I'm probably, I, I'm going to try to do my best to describe this. And you see Malicious and Rotten, Planting the dynamite. It's a very well-drawn scene where it you can hear what's happening, but you see them doing it, but they're not the center of attention. The it, it It's a very nice way of splitting the screen because usually you think when these people are planting dynamite, you know, the camera's going to be right on them. They're going to show us putting it down. It's, it's done very surreptitiously. Like you, it's filmed like you would do it. You would very carefully and slyly plant dynamite in a room and that's how it is filmed and that's how it is drawn and i really like that part of it and they plant the dynamite and then while they plant the dynamite goodly and nicely say they started off to say we want to get rid of winter completely but while when they get there they sort of change their mind and go into what you said earlier so it's like could you just make winter better or more tolerable and winter is like what he just puts his foot down and he yeah. puts his foot down and says, "No, I'm the boss here." Which what you would do if you were if you're the all powerful being in charge of Winter? That's exactly what you would have done. Mm-hmm. So he says, "You know what? I'm not going to do anything." So goodly and nicely leave dejected, and malicious and rotten light the dynamite. And once again, we get the great sound effect of a wick burning, and it's it's just a person which was really cool. Yeah, that was, I loved it. And yeah, like you said, it was, it, it was someone going, they didn't use any sound effect. I loved that. And I think, I want to say that like the trees wrestling was the same thing. It probably was. If all the sound effects were people doing it, I don't see why they would not do it for the trees. If they're going to do it for everything, yeah. do it for everything. I would love to see that more often. In animation. I think it's fun. There's an old Warner Brothers cartoon called The Three Little Bops. And it's a takeoff on The Three Little Pigs. And since this was in the 50s, The Three Little Pigs were jazz musicians. And all the sound effects in the cartoon are done by instruments. So wind blowing, a house collapsing, a car blowing up. It's all, all the sound effects are done by instruments. So when something like that happens and something like this happens where they're thinking outside of the box, it really stands out and it's really creative to me. And I notice it and I appreciate it that much more. And as they 
So all four of them leave, and then uh, Bazuzi and Small and Tender wander into... They wander into um, Winter's office, but they don't see Winter? They wander in, but they don't see him? Because he's sitting sitting so high up. That's why, remember? They're sneaking around. They think it's just the room and the walls. He does blend in with the walls. Right. No, that's what they're saying. And they, they also, the way they come out, they wouldn't see him because... They come out right by his desk, so they're not gonna they're not gonna see him. They're not looking up. Well, they yes, they would not they wouldn't know what Winter looked like. They didn't enter the room. Right. They weren't announced. Right, and again, they they came in in a way where they thought that the desk was just the walls because it's so large. So our four main characters are outside now, and then Malicious and Rotten say we we lit the dynamite, but Small and Tender and Bazuzi are still inside, and this is where they sort of change where it's like, we got to get them out of there. So before they didn't really care about the kids, but now that they're in danger with dynamite, now they do care about like, the kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, even bad guys have standards sometimes. Like they, they don't want to physically hurt the kids or they don't want their kids to, the, the kids to die. They just kind of want to rustle their jimmies a little bit. They just want to send them out in the wilderness alone with no provisions. That's fine. Yeah, let the, I mean, build, that builds character, but... Character. But but being blown up with dynamite, that's not, that doesn't build character, because it makes you die. Well, death is the ultimate character builder. Is it, though? Because you just are rendered without character at all. Well, you're rendered, yeah, if you got blown up by dynamite, you'd be rendered without yeah, a lot of there's stuff. No, there's no character to build after that point, because you're dead. Well, we cut back in, and... Small and tender are like, boy, this place is bad. I I don't like this place. I don't like winter. Why does winter hate everybody? And then we have this, we have the standard, another, once again, to me, another standard trope. Well, maybe winter is like this because nobody loves, it's, this is basically out of the Grinch that stole Christmas, where, you know, his heart grew six sizes. Three sizes. You know. Three sizes, or also the uh, the Coldmeister from the Santa Claus. Uh, the, oh yeah. Oh, that's something. I'm sorry. A tangent. One of the people who made this, their last name was Rankin, and I'm just wondering if they might be related to the guy for the person Baskin Rankin who made all those Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. Uh, so I looked it up. Santa Claus is coming to town. I looked it up, and as far as I know. They aren't related, but it is a weird coincidence. Yeah, but I, I don't. That, I don't think they are. Okay, well there goes my theory. Thanks for blowing that yeah, out of the water. Uh, that's Arthur Arthur Rankin Jr. as the Rankin uh, from Rankin Bass, um, and then I think it's Jules Rankin uh, for uh, Isabel Jean Rankin. Isabel Jean Rankin. Uh, is was which is night out and gift of winter, and as far as I know, they are not related. Um, I'm looking through, and I'm not seeing any kind of connection between them. I'm sure if they are related, that that would have been a that would have been a trivia fact that you could easily find. Yeah, it it, it doesn't look like they are. Uh, no, maybe they have oh. maybe they have some kind <coughs> of. Um, like shared relative uh, up and down, but like or up and up and down that tree, but 
Uh, as far as I know, they're at least not like brother and sister or husband and wife or anything like that. They don't seem to be related. D- don't you mean up and down that Christmas tree? Ah, ah! I see what you did there. I see what you did there, Scott. Ah. Da, 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 da. Da. What Christmas pun. Uh, so Bamboozy's like, well, maybe Winter's like this way because nobody loves him and goes to small. How would you feel if nobody loved you? Even mommy and daddy? Yeah, what if nobody loved you? Boy, this is the worst place I've ever been in in my life. That's hard. It's the dreariest, yeah. bleakest, yeah. creepiest place I've ever been in. Okay. Okay, let's go. Yeah. Where are Brazui and the children? Brazui and the kids. They're still in there. They'll be blown up. Gosh, that old winter must be really mean to make things so awful. Well, uh, maybe you can't help it. Well, why would he want to be mean, Vasily? Well, maybe he's unhappy. Maybe he's lonely. That kind of thing hurts, you know, and sometimes causes meanness. It won't budge! You mean he doesn't have any friends? Well, gosh, nobody likes winter. Yeah, I mean, how would you feel if nobody liked you? Wow. Even mommy and daddy. And Winter sees this and Winter starts crying. His tears turn to snowflakes. This is how snow came to be. But that it, it kind of makes me sad cuz what is this what this means is that like in order to get snow every Christmas they have to depress poor Winter. That seems like a form of emotional abuse. Like is, do you think they find a way to synthesize snow? So they're not beating up poor Winter every year? Like, that just seems kind of mean. They At the end, it's not just tears. I guess after he cries and he releases all this, he starts laughing. So it's like, it's good to laugh. I think now Winter can just do it on his... Now that he knows he can do it, he can maybe do it in other ways because he stops crying, but the snow keeps coming. So I think it's just now that he just has a different outlook... Of winter. Winter doesn't doesn't have to be drab and bleak now that we have the snow. Somehow our four get and as you said earlier, the snow comes down and extinguishes the wick of the dynamite. So the dynamite does not blow up. Mm-hmm. Our four lead characters. So everybody's in the room together and they're just astonished by the snow falling. And then the CEO comes walking in. They ask, What's the name of the does does he have a name for this? And she goes, no. And they're like, what did you say? No. And then Bamboozy goes, it's called Snow. So that's where we get, and that's that's where we get Snow, and that's where you get the name of Snow. We get the Snow through, as you put it, emotional abuse, making a man cry, or making a, a, a being cry, and uh, we get Snow from somebody mishearing somebody speak. They also have their little joyful song at the end, so maybe they sing the snow. It should be pretty cool. Well, they realize it's Christmas Day, and they they won't be able to get back home. And now that uh, Winter has a change of heart, he's like, leave that to me. And they don't really show. 
I get he magically transports them back to yeah, I thought that, to home. Yeah, there was not a good sense of geography there, but I'm guessing he no. like teleports so that he's very very large and has a big enough stride to where he could just carry them and it doesn't take long. I don't know. I didn't try to overthink it. I just I mean they had to they had to fit their uh, their 25 minutes. Uh, so somehow, you know, I didn't want to overthink. Yeah, 25 minutes. And with the Canadian conversion, that's only like 17 minutes here in America. Yeah, that's how time works. But anyway, um, well, that's just what I was thinking. I was thinking the same thing. It just it didn't. Was just like, oh, no, yeah, we got to get back home. Winter's yeah. like, okay, and they're back home. We get a very Santa Claus ending where Winter's just standing on the top of the hill and it's snowing. And he's just like, Merry Christmas. And the movie ends on him saying Merry Christmas. Uh, Go right in the credits. So what I'm, I'm curious about in this universe, like they have these really simplistic, uh, very scribbly, very expressive character designs. And I want to know what the scribble world's Jesus looks like. Because, you know, it's Christmas. It's Christ mass. So what, th- that would imply that there is a Jeebus in that world. And I am so curious to know what this scribble verse Jesus looks like. Well, maybe in their world it's Chris. What is C H? Maybe there's just a guy, maybe a guy named Chris. Okay, but what does scribble world guy named Chris look like? I have no idea. They don't even have, they don't have a Santa Claus. Maybe they get a Santa Claus after they get snow. Maybe maybe the snow brings the birth of Santa Claus. Whoa! Because Santa Claus has a sleigh. You can't have a sleigh without snow. My my mind just exploded. In the end, these people accept winter because now there's snow, but they still have the drabness. They still have the cold, and they add snow. And to me, that made it worse. Snow is worse. But so all it took was snow to be like, hey, winter's okay. Now we can build snowmen and catch snowflakes on our tongue and shovel our cars out in the morning. Of course, I didn't see any automobiles in this world, so maybe automobiles don't exist. I mean, I'm guessing teleportation exists, which is how they, you know, that may be how they got back to the village. If teleportation exists, then snow's not a big deal. Granted, if teleportation existed, they wouldn't have to walk to... They wouldn't have to walk to winter. Man, logistics in this universe. Only special people have teleportation because they had to walk to winter, but winter teleported them back to where they started before they uh, before they walked. Maybe he teaches them the secret of teleportation. Maybe that's the true meaning of Christmas. Maybe his name is Chris. Maybe, maybe <laughs> winter's real name is Chris. And, like, they start to celebrate Christmas because it was the miracle of the teleportation. His name is Chris, and he's a big guy, so he has a lot of mass. So, Chris Mass. Maybe he's like their Jesus and Santa all in one. Oh, he's he's Janta. Yeah. Or Caesus. I like Caesus. He's Caesus Christ. <laughs> uh, we're reading way too much into this, kids. <laughs> but that's the fun part. All in all, it was just, it was an enjoyable, weird little Christmas movie that I was not, uh, you said you've seen it before. I was not aware of it until I was just looking for Christmas stuff to, for the Dan Aykroyd podcast. I came across it. I thought it was a, just a delightful little film. Yeah, it was, it was so cute. really weird. It was really weird. It has some heart. See, uh, it has your, you know, I, it has your standard Christmas make you feel good kind of thing. Yeah, but it wasn't, 
was the weirdness. Because so here's the thing, and this is probably where I'm going to be getting like angry emails, assuming anyone actually listens to this podcast in the first place. So I don't like Christmas movies for the most part because I usually think that they they're so far on the mawkish side that they they don't they don't have it, the the heart seems very forced forced and saccharine and like cynical versus something that actually has it. Now there are exceptions. Like I love um Ernest Saves Christmas because and and Ernest Saves Christmas also kind of works with it, it, for the same reason that I really liked The Gift of Winter is that there is enough weirdness in it to offset anything that might make it seem too mawkish and cynical. Does that make sense? It's weird, but I, like I didn't find this mawkish and cynical at all. Right, because, I thought it was just a simple little, right. a simple little Christmas story, so told in a simple, no, and it, entertaining way. And it is, and the simplicity of it, and the fact that it was weird, made it so that it didn't come off that way. You see what I mean here? Yeah, the, and I, like I said, I feel yeah. that way about like Ernest Saves Christmas. I love Ernest. Saves I Christmas. love Ernest Saves Christmas. So all in all, you would recommend this. Yeah. This little Christmas. Oh, yeah. I think it's cute. Show your kids. I would, too. And it's on YouTube. It's free on YouTube. The Gift of Winter, 1974. This is something, after you've listened to this, if this is something that has piqued your interest, go watch it. If this is, if you remember watching it a long time ago, go back and revisit it. I have certain movies I watch every time around the Christmas season. I'll probably start including this one in. Yeah. It's short. It's only it's only 20 it, it's like The Grinch or Frosty or the it's only a, or I think those might be a hour. But this is only 25 minutes long. So it's not going to take up a lot of your time just for a, a short burst smile on your face. Find it on YouTube and just enjoy it. Yes. It's good stuff. All right, Meredith, what do you want to promote? Oh, jeez. Uh, what do you got for us this time? Yes, so find me. Uh, you can you can learn more about the projects that I'm currently working on um, uh, via my Twitter or my Facebook. My Twitter is at sign Meredith Nudo, M-E-R-E-D-I-T-H-N-U-D-O, or on Facebook at Hardcore Nudo T, H-A-R-D-C-O-R-E-N-U-D-O-T-Y. Lately, I have been working on my my movie review podcast with Jacob King, called Pop and Pop and Schlock. Uh, Scott has been a guest on it a couple of times. Um, I am also the host of Cold Cuts on Twitch via Platform Production Company. It is uh, every Saturday night. We are working through some, several ongoing stories where the actors do not know the script until they receive the script on screen. So it is a cold reading show, and I am the host, and a video game that I was just in came out and won itch.io's uh, vampire game championship uh, for this past uh, this past Halloween season. It's called Fangs for the Mimmers, F-N-G-S-F-R-T-H-M-M-R-S. It's supposed to sound like Thanks for the memories said through vampire teeth. And I am the voice of the werewolf, Red. That was a really fun, it's a really fun opportunity. Uh, I also narrated a, a short film, uh, A Weekend on Fox's Island, which was selected for the International Shorts Festival. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot, 
there's a lot going on right now. And you can hear more about the voiceover work that I am doing, as well as podcast stuff and writing on the aforementioned social media stuff. But that's the stuff that I can talk about that's not currently under NDA. All right. Yay. Well, that's a lot of stuff to talk about. All right. Uh, Well, congratulations on all the good stuff that's coming your way. Yes, thank you. And that's it. Uh, This has been the Christmas episode of the Dan Aykroyd Podcast. So whenever you're listening to this, Merry Christmas or whatever holidays you partake in, enjoy them to the fullest. And we'll see you here next year on the Dan Aykroyd Podcast. Are we going to be doing Ghostbusters? Are we going to be doing Ghostbusters? Are we going to be doing Ghostbusters? We'll do Ghostbusters soon. Okay, cool. We better. All right. See you here next time. Okay, bye. 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 To support this podcast, please go to www.patreon.com slash Scott White and give what you're able. If you're listening on iTunes, please give a review. That should help people find this podcast. And no matter what services you use to listen, please leave feedback. We always want to improve. Thank you for listening to the Dan Aykroyd Podcast. <laughs> oh, oh, it's good to laugh. It's good to cry. It makes me feel so free. It's good to laugh. It's good to cry. It's ever so good to be me. It's good to insist. It's good to persist. It's a good to be strong. Or admit that you're wrong. It's, it's ever, ever so good, good to be me. It's good to have guts. Or be kind of nuts. It's good to be dog. In my little bit naughty. It's ever so good to be, ever so good to be, ever so good to be me. It's good to be big. I'm wonderfully brittle. I'm frightfully twig. It's ever so good to be, ever so good to be, ever so good to be me. It's good to laugh and it's good to cry. It makes me feel so free. What's this fantastic white stuff? <laughs> Merry Christmas! Merry has been a Cross the Streams media podcast.